All right, the latest on this new variant that we've been talking about today. Um, WHO officials have named it Omicron. O-M-I-C-R-O-N. It's called Omicron, and they have classified it as a highly transmissible virus of concern. Okay. They go on to say the overall risks of Omicron are not yet known. So, a lot of questions around this still. So, let's go to one of our go-tos. He's been with us throughout the pandemic, Dr. Jason Kindrachuk, an assistant professor in medical microbiology and infectious diseases at the University of Manitoba. Doc, thanks so much for jumping on today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Okay, so this new variant, when I'm listening to WHO officials and other officials talking about there's a whole lot of maybes and it could be and potentially. So what do we actually know about what we're now calling Omicron? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, we don't know a lot, right? So the uh, you know we, we literally just got the the WHO statement uh, you know a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, you know they're they're basically saying uh, you know as as Dr. Andrew Morris had pointed out, preliminary evidence suggests an increased risk of reinfection. Um, that's preliminary evidence, so we don't know yet um, what you know whether that is going to hold true or not. I think the most important thing that we're seeing with with this variant has been the number of mutations in it, right? So we've seen right. a drastic increase in in uh, certainly the um, amount or concentration of the virus in, in uh, this particular region of South Africa. But the, the mutations, I think, are the bigger question because we, we know what they are. We certainly know that some of these are related to particular functions. Now we've got to figure out whether if you put them all together, the behavior actually changes because that's not necessarily always, uh, always correlated. And the reason this caught so much attention is the sheer number of mutations, right? There's more than 30? It is, yeah, yeah. It's it's shocking, right? And this goes back to this idea again that so we've been talking about this for a long time that the more this virus transmits, and certainly the more that it transmits widely in, in communities, the more propensity it has to start to mutate and change. Um, we can't necessarily predict what those are going to look like. Um, so we, we have to try and, and be precautionary when we see sequencing that suggests that there's been a big fundamental change. And that's why I think the last 24 hours or so, you've seen just such a, a massive amount of information on, on social media about it. So what's the prudent course of action here? Like with all the maybes and could be's, and there's a lot of mutations and we don't know exactly what they're going to mean, what's the best? I mean, you don't want people freaking out because we don't know if there's a reason to, but the potential is there. So what's the best course of action here? There's a couple things, right? I mean, for the first thing is certainly going back to to our South African colleagues and and uh, applauding them for for doing the surveillance that they're doing and certainly getting the information out. So that you know already we're seeing that across the globe, we've adjusted uh, to to start to look for Omicron uh, in, in recent people that, uh, that that have shown up positive. So that that's important. The next course of action really is for us to figure out. How does this virus behave? And that's really the nuts and bolts of getting, uh, you know, getting people in the lab, you know, people like, uh, you know, Covarnet here in Canada and others that are going to be able to start to actually characterize whether this virus does behave differently than what we're seeing. And most importantly, whether we're seeing any concerns in regards to people that were vaccinated. Um, how, what's the timeline? Like when we've now we've identified all the mutations, how do we go about determining what those mutations mean? And what's the timeline so we'll have a better understanding of just what this Omicron variant might mean for us? 
Yeah, so listen, my, my uh, Slack channels have already been kind of blowing off through the roof this morning. Um, we're Certainly in Canada, we're already seeing mobilization again of, of folks through Cobarnet and others that, that are really trying to get in uh, materials as quickly as possible. So I would say within the next few weeks, okay. um, we will have some information, and probably in some cases even days, as people start to do rampant screening. Just I think certainly globally we've gotten really, really quick at mobilizing, and certainly there's a need to get data out. Um, when we talk about travel restrictions and the like, we're seeing the UK move in that direction, EU already going in that direction, the Conservatives calling for it in Canada. Um, would you recommend that? I mean, it seems like we've been so reactive with this virus throughout the course of this pandemic. Is this a chance to be proactive and try and keep some isolation factors in place? Well, here's the difficulty with it, right? So, and listen, this is why people that are much smarter and paid much better than me make these decisions. But right now, it's a question of where has this variant moved to? So is it specifically, you know, has it emerged, you know, realistically in South Africa or did it emerge somewhere prior and move into that population? And how broadly has it already started to move? Because now you have to start to look at this from the, the perspective of who are you stopping travel from? Right. And are you actually missing cases because there are countries that are not being included? Or is there even a, a reason for doing this at this point? So we, we need to be proactive in screening and certainly with uh, with trying to get uh, ahead of this in regards to where the virus has moved to across communities uh, in the globe. With these kind of variants, could it be one where, okay, it makes it spread more, but it's a lot weaker and it, it's more, you know, I mean, could it make the virus weaker? It, I mean, these variants don't necessarily yeah. mean it's a bigger, badder version of the virus, right? It, it, it's a good question, right? So, listen, so far we haven't now, right? We haven't seen a milder form show up yet. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not going to, um, but it, the, the virus hasn't behaved in that way yet. But we also haven't seen, uh, you know, a variant that's picked up the ability to be much more transmissible and, by the way, also, uh, you know, completely, um, you know, ablate any sort of immune responses or get around uh, antibody recognition. Now, we've got to figure out what this is and, and whether it has any of those properties. Um, but, but I think we need to remain confident that, you know, the vaccines have continued to work well, yep. um, the big question is going to be, do we see more people showing up uh, requiring health care uh, than, than before with this variant? Uh, last one before I let you go comes from uh, a listener. And it's interesting because I read these stories, too, and I don't know if you can answer this and if it even matters, but he's talking about seeing COVID in, in white-tailed deer. And I, and I read a story about yeah. that earlier this week. Is that something that matters? Is that something we need to be aware of? What does it mean? Yeah, this is really important. This is actually one of what our, our particular pillar in, uh, in Covarnet here in Canada is looking at this specifically. So the question for us is where has not only this virus moved in the human population, but where in the animal population? And the reason being, because once this virus moves out into to animals, we think that it first emerged, uh, you know, from bats and, and obviously from animals. But if it's now moved back into animal species and it's transmitting widely, that makes it a little bit more difficult for us to look at from an elimination standpoint. And certainly we need to understand how the virus is changing or mutating in those animals and what that means for, for being able to break back across uh, the species barrier. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't launch a vaccination campaign uh, with North American white. Yeah, that's an interesting concept and never even thought of. Good stuff. Thank yeah. you, Doc. Hey, no problem at all. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That is Dr. Jason Kindrachuk, who is an assistant professor in medical microbiology and infectious diseases at the University of Manitoba. We've checked in with him regularly throughout the course of this pandemic when developments like today have happened to try and get uh, the expert take. And as he said, we don't know. We just don't know. Uh, it, it could be a few weeks before we find out exactly what this long list of mutations actually means. 
Uh, it's something that you know the world scientists will be watching, monitoring, tracking, will be testing, on and on it goes. But at this point, we don't know what it means in terms of the progression of the virus. We know it's a heavily mutated strain. Does that make it worse? There's no evidence to indicate so far that it does, um, but the potential is there. So keep that in mind. We don't know what this means. It might amount to nothing. It might be a big deal, but we just don't know yet.